welcome to Unfortunately Required Reading. Oh, God. Uh, today we're reading Paradise Lost, because apparently Paradise truly is lost. This epic poem is by John Milton. Or as we're calling this episode, The Real Hell is Ye Old English. This was such a slog to get through. It was it was pretty epic. No pun intended. No. Um, what are we drinking? Uh, as actually a recommendation from our sponsor, Jason, we're drinking a fire and iced tea, which is mostly just iced tea and fireball, uh, to be determined on how well this goes for us. Yes, we're either going to get super lush or start pontificating. Cheers. Okay, that's not awful. It's not bad. It no. just kind of tastes like a little bit of cinnamon in your iced tea. See, this is why, like, fireball is dangerous. I feel like fireball in stuff goes down very, very smooth. It's dangerous. Now, I can't imagine taking shots of fireball. <laughs> I can. Unfortunately, I don't remember the rest of that evening. I think the worst I've done is I took shots of triple sec. Oh, God. Yeah. Why? Uh, I don't want to talk about that day. Not that. That's a. That's a. That's a. That's a different podcast. So you got a very thematic cheese for this. Yes, um, I picked up a rugged, mature seaside English cheddar that is smoked heavily. So it's English, like John Milton. It's smoked. God damn it, it is smoked. And it is rugged, just as my feelings are for this giant fucking book. So the crazy thing about this cheese is you can smell the smoking, or the smoke through the packaging. Yep. And what did the lady at, was it Whole Foods? It was Whole Foods. She said this wasn't the smokiest cheese. She said it was smoky to her co-workers, but not to her. So, my, I mean, I guess my question is just mostly, like, what did she sit in a smoker all day long, or? This cheese actually hurts me a little. This cheese is on fire. It was previously on fire. It's not a bad cheese. It's definitely not the worst cheese I've ever eaten. Join me in this, please. Okay. Cheesy. But this is definitely, this is an experience. My goodness. That's smoky. How is this not the most smoked? This is like fire in my mouth. Yeah, like, this, this is just bacon. This is just bacon. This is like, okay, southern, hashtag southern problems. Uh, in the south, you keep your bacon grease because you use that for other stuff. And it's like that time that you think that that's butter and you spread it on your toast by accident. And not that that's bad. It's just not what you're expecting. It's like, you can't do that with turkey bacon. Absolutely not. <laughs> Speaking of which, so there is now a bingo game that Amanda has created. Yes, there is. This podcast is extra. Well, Amanda is extra and I appreciate her. I was doing my best. Um, I think it'll be fun to release these cards and see what gets you a bingo first. I don't know if we have prizes yet, but... <laughs> we might soon. Your prize is that you get to do a shot of your own liquor at home. Oh, yeah. like I I chose this rather than a drinking game, because realistically, with these cards, you can easily tick off all these boxes. And we, we ideally would not like you to go to the emergency room for alcohol poisoning. Yeah. Or at least if you do, don't blame us. Yeah. <laughs> We're not covered for that. That's not in our liability policy yet. All right, so we're going to be enjoying some smoked cheese, some just so smoky iced tea. It's so smoky. 
I'm concerned about this woman at Whole Foods now. I, I do have some questions. Like, do you think that she's in the demon camp? I she has to be. She has. She was wonderfully optimistic though. Um, a, a cart bumped into me while I was there, and I said, "Oh my gosh, it's my fault. I ruin everything." And she's like, "Statistically, that can't be true." Wow, that is like. That's really sweet, isn't it? Maybe she's. Oh. Maybe <laughs> she's like Raphael, and she's just kind of hanging out. Yeah, that feels like more of what it is. Like just like completely misguided as far as like human tastes go, because this is a smoked salt lake. You know, um, I think it's in like. Greenland or Iceland, there's like that weird poisonous shark that they like ferment and let rot in, ca- in like shacks for a really long time. It feels like this in cheese form. My brain just went poison shark dude. Nope, the podcast is canceled. <laughs> Hakarl is the name. I it's like it's Scandinavian. I don't know what part of Scandinavia. I've had fireball and it's ten o'clock in the morning. Oh. <laughs> recording a little bit earlier than normal because Amanda has a white hegemony appointment. I'm sorry, I have to look pretty for all of you who won't see me. <laughs> Alright, so short story long. Huzzah. Buckle up, buttercup, we're going to hell. Uh... <laughs> I was so happy I got to include that. I'm not. <laughs> beep, beep, you sad fuck. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So the story starts in the middle of things, if you're, or if you're being fancy in your English class or trying to show off Latin, it's in medias res. Did yeah. Did that right? Okay. Close enough. There are two major story arcs. One focuses on Lucifer's fall, and the other focuses on Adam and Eve and their fall. All right. So the rebel angels have been defeated and sent to Tartarus, aka banished to hell. Evidently, the capital of hell is not San Antonio, but called Pandemonium. As Satan is super good at speeches, he decides to rally his followers to make sense of them getting banned from heaven. He is surrounded by a shit ton of demons, including Bamon, hello from the craft, Beelzebub, Belial, Moloch, they're all hanging out. He tells everyone that he used to be the favorite, but now he's been cast aside for these monkeys with anxiety, also known as mankind. They didn't have anxiety yet. Well, they will. Yeah, they will. There's, There's a lot of, like pre-foretelling of oh well they're gonna do that and it's gonna be their fault what anyway um so lucifer steps out of satan and goes across an area called chaos to try and reach the garden of eden in chaos he meets his daughter sin evidently she and lucifer had sex at some point and sin is perpetually raped by her and lucifer's kid which is death death breeds a lot of weird dog monsters that keep crawling back into sin's snake tentacle body and note to self, if you are listening to an audiobook of this while falling asleep, you are going to have a bad time. So the poem goes back and forth a lot to look at the angelic war, so there's multiple perspectives. Evidently, Satan's folks prefer large-scale warfare, and the battle between Heaven's Angels and Satan's Angels takes place over three days. They think they're doing really good. But then God pulls, like, his best card, which is the a Hail Mary. God. Yes. It is a Hail Mary. Hey! <laughs> and single-handedly defeats the whole rebel angel crew and banishes them from heaven. You know, like you do. Mm-hmm. God creates the world, makes Adam and Eve. He gives them total freedom and tells them to rule over all of creation. But he also tells them not to do one thing, which is eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, or they're going to die. So Adam and Eve have... A super sexy romantic relationship, but without sin. So nice. They show distinct personalities and desires. 
after a fight, Eve goes to do her own gardening thing for a hot minute, and Satan comes in as a serpent and starts making really convincing arguments for Eve to eat from the Tree of Knowledge. He plays on her vanities, tricks her into eating of the tree. Adam finds out Eve sins and just does the same thing. He goes, basically, if she's going to die because they're bound to each other, he's just going to die too. Like, he totally could have defended her, but we'll go into that later. I have so many thoughts. Adam is portrayed as a hero, but to be fair, he sins a lot harder than Eve because he knows what he did was wrong. Right. Their sex is suddenly super lusty. Woo! It's awesome. And then they start going, oh, well, you know, we're probably fine. It was probably just one of those, let's test to see our moxie things. But then they have all these nightmares when they go to sleep, and then they get super guilty and turn on each other. I'm sorry, did you say moxie? Yes, I did say moxie. So Satan goes back to hell in triumph and he gets a ton of praise from all the fallen angels. He talks about how he made mankind fall and then all of a sudden they get turned into snakes. Whoops. Oops. I mean, they get better. Yeah. At some point. So Eve and Adam just talk and they decide, okay, we're going to try and make things right with God. Adam sees everything that will happen to mankind up until Noah and the great flood thanks to an archangel. Michael. Adam starts freaking out, and Michael's like, okay, but don't freak out because Jesus is just going to come and take care of this original sin thing, so everybody's going to be fine. Adam and Eve are cast out of the garden and now have a more distant relationship with God. Yep. We just saved you a lot of time. Yeah, uh, Merry Christmas. There is the origin of sin, but told in a slightly more complicated way. So complicated unnecessarily oh the rind is very smoky it's very smoky <laughs> i was trying to protect tori from the cheese <laughs> the rind is the part that gets penetrated by the smoke the most what not unlike sin i think i hate you i, I think, think i hate me too i think this is hatred <laughs> it must have been love anyway <laughs> It has a really good smoke ring. You can get, like, the depth of the smoke. I fell into a burning ring of cheddar. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> There's, like, three dots. It's Amanda expresses hatred, Tori sings. There is some kind of pun. You guys are going to get a bingo very easily. <laughs> uh, so that is the birth of uh, Sin and Death, as you are told if you've read a Christian Bible, uh, but much more flowery. And uh, overly complicated. Here's issues that I have with it immediately is it takes away a lot of like the feminism and like early tellings of that story because the whole idea of like Eve just kind of doing this because she wants like the first like feminist gesture ever done. Uh, And it also just tends to make the whole story just dumb and it makes God a bit of a bad guy. Oh, there's there's a lot about that. We're yeah, gonna need to we're, go we're going to go into that a lot more. But like, and I think we both have to air that we have complicated relationships with religion. Yes, um, I was raised. Well, I was raised weird evangelical Protestant and then I converted to Lutheranism, which is still Protestant, which is still Protestant, but it's less singing of the same verse of a song 27 times in an attempt to lull you into a false sense of security yeah i was raised roman catholic taught sunday school actually uh 
which always surprises people. <laughs> that always shocks people. Uh, I didn't really leave the church ever. I've always kind of hung around, but like my own personal theology is kind of more like mystical and very deist. As far as like God, I do think God exists. I do think there's a higher power, but I don't think that he like intervenes in our lives on a daily basis. Like, I don't think like Jesus can stop a bullet. Like the power of God saves me. Like, no, like you have to have control and take care of your own life. So I think that books like this uh, kind of can remind you of your complicated relationship with religion. Because this book does one thing great. It sure does make Satan sexy. Yeah, and this is going to be, like, the first time you really see that in literature. Yeah. Um, John Milton had a very difficult relationship with the church, and especially at the time period that they were in, yeah. um, in England, which we'll go into that more. Yep. Um, yeah, I think the, the creepiest part is when they're sitting there talking, and it's like there's this weird tentacle snake chick, and then all of a sudden it's like, did that dog just come out of her lower bits? Like, what? What is happening? It also, what is that creature? It feels very Norse in that yes. way. Like, it feels very Norse pagan. Um, if you know nothing of Norse mythology outside of a Thor comic. Um, Which is usually wrong in a lot of aspects, but we won't go into that. I love Thor, though. I love Thor comics. I just... I mean, I'm a comic book fan, so I get to say this. Please don't use comics as your primary resource for anything. Right. Uh, don't. Also, be very, very careful if you see someone with a Thor's hammer tattoo, because that's a 50-50. Yeah, that's a 50-50. Because that either can be a full-on white supremacist, or just a chill dude. And the really sad thing is I know a lot of people who follow the Norse pantheon and their mm-hmm. pagan beliefs, they're not dicks. No, they're, they're really not. They're not dicks at all. And like, seriously, there's a lot of face palming. It's kind of like how the Protestants do a lot of face palming because in every religion in every culture there is that one percent of extremely vocal assholes yeah. that ruin it for everyone well except for us catholics we have a systemic problem that is over a thousand years old that we refuse to talk about yes. and i'm the only person who can say that i will not tolerate anyone in the comments saying how horrible the catholic church is we know we all know we on the ground can't fix it. Heck, my religion started because Martin Luther got mad and was like, okay, I'm going to tell you 99 reasons about why you're wrong. And the Catholic Church is all of my problems. Right. And then basically the Catholic Church was like, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> and uh, he's like, fine, well, I'm taking this nun and we're getting married. Pretty much. This uh, story also does some major Lilith erasure, which I hate because I love the story of Lilith. Which is interesting because if you're reading the, like, um... Oh my gosh, come on, brain. The James version of the Bible. Come the on. King James version? Thank you. I don't know why my brain didn't want to come The James there. version. The one the with James the James. Version. It was James the first. I should know that. Anyway, um, there, there really isn't a whole lot of reference to Lilith and things like that. The only real reference that you get is a, a version of something about the night hag. Um, but in Jewish tradition... Okay, so because I'm, I'm weird like that, there are a lot of things in the Bible that are referenced, but not really discussed because at the time, if you were part of Judaism, you would read a lot of other texts. You would read the second temple text. You would read a lot of things like that. So many of the references that are made in the Bible 
or to things that people had a day-to-day relationship with. Yes. Um, it's kind of like us making jokes about pop culture. It, it was just something that was involved. So now several thousand years later, we miss a lot of the inside jokes. We miss yeah. a lot of the things that they're talking about. And it's one of the reasons that you can study the Bible your whole life and still only be focused on certain portions. Absolutely. And um, and that's been a problem. Um, I let Tori borrow my copy of the Apocrypha. I'm so excited, you guys. Uh, which like, are it's all... kind of sick how excited I am. Like, it's all the books of the Bible that weren't accepted into the canon. And honestly, it's not even... It's so much more insidious than just, like, a language that we lost. It's a systemic culture of oppression and selective knowledge. It's, we don't want this as part of the canon because it is detrimental. And King James is really who led that charge. Oh, now, we've okay. had Bible talks since there was Bible. I, I went to a Catholic college, so I know too much about this stuff. Like, we've had Bible talks since forever. It's why we have, like, the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed in the Catholic Church because they all got together in Nicaea to say, this is what we believe, and then you speak it in Latin at every Mass. Ah! Um... <laughs> But it removes these stories that add something to it. Because, yeah, back in those days, um, language and history and theology were all such, like, open source almost. That you had to know these things to understand each other. And then the church got too big for its britches and could start controlling that information. One of the things that I find really interesting in John Milton's description of how is when he's going into a whole breakdown of everybody who's there along with Satan, you see all the Greek gods, you Mm -hmm. see the Egyptian gods, you get a lot of reference that there's going to be quite a bit of people down there. Mm -hmm. And if you read a lot of uh, descriptions of it is, you know, there shall be no other gods before me in the Bible. And so it's like, Okay, well, you have all these other gods, but it's still like the second level. Yeah, but they still acknowledge, and even like in the opening to call it Tartarus, like that's not. We have so many. Okay, there's a YouTube channel called Religion for Breakfast. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna spend too much time on it. It's so good, and uh, he talks about he has a whole episode on like the history of hell. It's like less than ten minutes, very concise, very very good. The host is also very cute to look at. That is not related. (laughs) Uh, So I'll put this on the blog. Yeah. Uh, so there's all these cool things about, like, the history of hell. So even to call it Tartarus, like, those are all choices that are made. Oh, uh, John Milton is very good at the word choices that he uses. He also made up some, which we'll go over at the end. We are jumping the shark. We're very excited about theology. Which is weird, because normally we're like, mm. <laughs> I I think, one, it's the fireball, and two... Um, it's the smoky cheese. It's the very smoky cheese, and three... I think, so I love, like, the Bible as literature. That's one of my favorite things is I love these things as text and not as dogma. So, like, the Bible as, like, a fun story, like a Lord of the Rings, I'm here for it. Okay, first of all, it's easier to read than Lord of the Rings. Yes, but as is uh, telling the future via sheep and trails. <laughs> That's fair. I know. <laughs> I don't know want, want to know what you're doing with the rest of your Saturday. But... I just, you know, um, but so I love theology as a way to learn about other religions. Do I always like their dogma? No, but I do think that one of the ways we can truly change the world. And I have to say this because we're in a shit time 
learning about others is the best way to stop being afraid of them. Mm-hmm. Read the goddamn Quran. Read it. Try. If you have friends that are in other religions, talk to them. Like, I grew up with a lot of hatred against Lutherans because I was raised Sorry. Catholic. One of my best friends is a Lutheran, and we can talk about how garbage our religions are together sometimes. Yes. Like, learn about these things. That's how you get rid of, that's That's your inoculation against fear is knowledge. And you gotta understand, too, when it comes to religion, human beings are really good at complicating things that don't need to be complicated. Yeah. That's why there's multiple branches of Lutheranism. Yeah, that's why there's different groups of Catholicism, and we even have, like, acknowledged cults, and even one unacknowledged cult that no one likes talking about. Are you talking about Opus Dei? I sure am talking about Opus Dei. I'm really scared because of Robert Hansen, but that's a whole other thing. But, like, I, I do like that we are excited about this because i also i think it is a testament to how much i don't like this book it's a boring book it can be very boring i used it to go to sleep so it does have some great pull quotes oh yeah it's it's a mood board for the angsty it's like there's the whole quote that's taken from paradise lost directly at the beginning of the crow and abash the devil stood and felt how awful goodness was and i remember going where the heck did that guy get that from? Because I'm uh, pretty sure he could barely string two sentences together. And then I pulled it up on Google. Thank you, Google. And I was like, oh, okay. Better to reign in hell than to serve in heaven. Mm-hmm. That's the big one that you hear a lot. And like, it's just completely taken over by popular culture. Like, I don't think oh, that yeah. they could now pinpoint where it came from. But uh, you want to do some theming? Let's do some theming. So this comes in a point with history and literature where we start to see this idea of uh, maybe Satan had some good ideas, uh, which is suspicious for a lot, but is also very, very revolutionary when you think about the timing. So this is used kind of as a very, very biting uh, social critique, Mm -hmm. uh, as is the Inferno when we get there. Yes. There's a lot of social critique that's buried in this, but... um. The idea that, like, really Satan's just trying to help people, or maybe he's the enlightened one, or maybe, like, he's the guy with the good ideas. And Milton gives him this power of speech that is just mind-blowing. He's able to get all of these demons who have, well, they're now demons, but all of these angelic creatures who have been kicked out of the most perfect place... To suddenly go, oh, yeah, maybe you were right. I mean, we're all kind of floating in this weird, uh, like, fire that's not fire darkness area. But, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe this is something that we should follow. Right. And um, the idea also, and even just giving Satan a name that isn't Beelzebub, uh, because technically that was the name attributed to Satan, and then it branched off into another uh, major demon. We could go on to demonology a lot. I know too much about demonology. As Tori learned last night. Also, if you are watching Sabrina, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, you're going to recognize a lot of the names. It's kind of why I don't like it. Because they just say the names and they don't mean anything. Yeah, like the picture depict. Okay, so if you go to our Instagram, we updated, or what was it? Who's Infernal Dictionary? It's Colin DePlancy. Colin DePlancy is Infernal Dictionary. And we uploaded... A couple pictures of the different demon types. Um, 
there's Stolas in there who is represented as this weird owl thing. I love him. And then Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, they made him into a raven. It, not the same thing. Not the same. Anyway, we're way moving away from this. No, we're doing fine. Uh, also, I don't think that I can express to you all enough that Tori was somehow shocked and or surprised that I had these just like on tap. Yeah, they were just on her phone. <laughs> Like, I sent her a message last night. Do you need my uh, stills from the Infernal Dictionary for podcast research? And she's just like, uh, yes? Like, yeah, no, I'll totally take that. And then it took two seconds to get over to me, and I got really concerned. I was like, did you just did you just have that ready? Yeah. Yeah, I just had that ready. Uh, so this is interesting because, again, like, the name that he gives to Satan being Lucifer is uh, fascinating to me because we all know what that means light bearer and he's meant to be beautiful and gorgeous and look at how cool he is and he's just doing his best and uh it's kind of dangerous because i know uh as a kid there is a lot about like that modern that more modern retelling of satan being like a hot cool guy that's like kind of dangerous like there was that one really bad like i think it was like an abc or something like a tv special that they play during easter and it's like a Jesus being tempted and everything like that. Like it's the passion of the Christ essentially, but like a TV movie version. Uh, and like Satan appears and he's wearing like a nice suit and he's like driving a sports car in the desert. I don't know how this happened, but he's like driving a sports car in the desert. He gets out of the car and like tells Jesus, Hey, like you don't have to do all this. And of course, you know, Jesus is like, no, I can't like be tempted. And I remember being a kid being like, Satan sounds pretty cool. And this is the first time in literature we see Satan portrayed as that. Um, up until this point, everybody had kind of these weird reptilian creatures and things like that. And then we all of a sudden have, hey, babe, I'm going to lay down some knowledge on you. I'm the guy at the bar who wears the glasses but isn't creepy. Like, it's bizarre. Um, yeah, I'm pretty DTF with Satan. I am not, but that's a whole other snake dick. That's... Anyway. Also, how dare they erase the story of uh, snakes having legs and then losing them when God curses them to roll on their bellies? Well, I mean, like, everybody gets turned into a snake at some point in time in this. I mean, yeah, but, like, it, that's, like, an entire whole point of the story is that, like, the serpent used to have legs, but then, like, God cursed him, and it's like, no, you can't have legs anymore. I'm gonna take the legs away. It was the explanation to why they have, like, vestigial legs. I gestured. <laughs> there was, like, a little there hand was... gesture that I looked just... like... A flappy wing. But they, like, so, like, some snakes have these little vestigial legs. I was supposed to explain that. <laughs> so, Satan is constantly telling everyone around him what can be done. And he's talking about how he can make a heaven of hell and a hell of heaven. And I actually read this one guy's uh, commentary about it. And he said, it's almost like when the Nazis put over the concentration camps, work will set you free. Like, I can tell you how this is going to go. Um, despite the fact that you can see with your eyes that this is not what's actually happening. That's how persuasive Satan is supposed to be. Yeah, but also being righteous is hard. It is hard. It's very hard. It's really easy to, like, not be a good person. Oh, it's super <laughs> easy to not be a good person. <laughs> and then you're like me, who's an INFJ, and you're like, I could take everybody out. And then you're like, but then I feel really bad about it. I watch a lot of, uh, like, prison shows, and I'm like, I could not survive in prison. There is no one to relax my hair in jail, so I'm going to be a good person. I like that that's what that is. That's the reason. You couldn't get your white hegemony apartment. I couldn't. Like, I couldn't, like, read dirty fan fiction. I couldn't do anything. That's a, that's a huge inconvenience. 
All right, more themes. Yep. So it is an epic poem with epic deflation. Just so much, so much poem. Milton sets up a lot of things in here about how great these characters are, how strong Satan is, all these things. It's supposed to be set up like Homer. And he even references that in the second edition of the text. He puts a whole like defense of why he wrote it the way he wrote it. Um, he is... Satan is set up like a hero, but he's also not that great. And it's set up very subtly. So Milton will do these descriptions of like a giant shield and how he is taller than the, the tallest tree, this giant mast of a ship. But he's also like a place where somebody would accidentally drop an anchor in the middle of the night and then the next morning go, oh, oops. It's very subtle, but if you're looking for it, you can see all the times that Milton goes, Oh, and Satan is like this and this and this, but he's also kind of lame. And it's, it's interesting. You just kind of have to look for it. Yeah, um, this is a beautiful piece of literature if you can get over how difficult it is to read. It is very difficult. Um, I definitely recommend, as I always do, audiobooks. But even then, don't put it on two times like I did because you're going, what? Okay, back up. What word did you just use? Yeah. Um, it's it's going to take some time. I'm just getting into using audiobooks for this stuff because I think I'm going to be a good person, like read on the bus, uh, so I can avoid contact with other human beings, and that never happens. This was just such a slog to get through, and I'm already a person who's not crazy about Britlet. Like I'm already not crazy about it. I'm not excited about reading Nathaniel Hawthorne later. I'm sorry. <sighs> well, that's technically early American lit. It's British. It's lazy British. <laughs> We didn't have American literature until Gatsby. <laughs> That's a hot take. <laughs> it's all lazy Britlet. Like, honestly, it is. Like, if if we're talking anywhere from America as an idea to even probably post-revolution, we're still just angry Brits. There is not a true American identity. I'm going to go ahead and say probably it's like the 1920s. Fair, I mean, fair take. Thank you. I don't agree, but we'll talk about that with Hawthorne. I hate Hawthorne, by the way. We have a pain month coming up oh, soon. Yes. Um, one of the themes that you put in here, too, is maybe the church is bad? Yeah, maybe church is bad. Uh, so Milton was pretty anti-Catholic, but in all fairness, around this time, I think we had the gunpowder plot, didn't we? Uh, which I... Before. Well, yeah, before. I said around. In vicinity... We had the gunpowder plot, uh, which was a group of Catholics deciding, hey, let's take out this Protestant king, uh, which is the true origin of Guy Fawkes Day, and not just a day for internet nerds to wear Guy Fawkes masks because of V for Vendetta. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I get quietly angry about that every November 5th, but... I do too, but at the same time, I can't get mad at how much more pervasive V for Vendetta was over the gunpowder plot because we're not American, because we're not British. Like, we're Americans. And at the end of the day, that is a very, very British way to celebrate that holiday is you tried to kill our king, let's have a party. Let's have a party. We're going to burn an effigy. It's yeah, like great. that's... We're not quite over Halloween yet. No. Also, this is hella pagan. Please enjoy. Um, So realistically, he did have some uh, air quotes reasons to not like the Catholic Church. Oh, and Milton was super upset about corruption in the church, as well as, um, like, 
Anglican church. <laughs> Realistically, everyone was mad about corruption in the church. And not to say that there was not corruption in the church. I'm not a Catholic purist. I know the church was bad sometimes. Well, one of the things that he was really frustrated about was the fact that only the people in power in religion were the ones who had access to God. They were the ones that had all the texts. They were the ones that taught the lessons. And he truly believed that if you want human beings to have their own connection with God, they need to be able to read it themselves and make their own decisions. Um, the issue with that was that people didn't often know how to read. Yeah. Um, the texts were often presented in Latin. They were presented in ways that the average human being couldn't get into. And that's what made Luther's revolution so revolutionary was that he started printing Bibles in a common language because hell, like Latin was inaccessible to most people. Now this might be a super hot take, but I do feel a certain way about like the need to, uh, democratize, uh, religion because i will say uh with opening up the floodgates does allow for various different interpretations and milton actually kind of went back and forth on that with a lot of his literature he's like mm -hmm. i want people to have access but i do also want them to still have a chance to have it explained to them right but i do want them to be able to make their own interpretations right it became kind of like i mean he was a pamphleteer he had a lot of details and stuff that he put in sure they're just because, like, through. especially as a queer person of color, I will say, uh, thanks to interpretations of the Bible, uh, slavery was a thing. And I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you. John Milton was very big on enslaving brown people. He sure was. He sure was. Oh, and women were always a step below, but evidently he felt that that was biblical, so. Exactly. It's like, that's what I mean. It's like, I, when you let people interpret the Bible the way they want, they will pick what they find and they want it. And that... I don't want to say it scares me, but I know what that has given us in history. <laughs> it was never the Catholic Church saying enslaved people. It was like one guy saying enslaved people. Hey, like, we can totally reference this. And... Yeah, it was never like, it wasn't the church saying, hey, now the church was saying other horrible things. Again, I'm not going to scapegoat the church. But like, it was one dude's interpretation of a thing that spread like wildfire. And... Even, like, interpretations of other, like, religions then allowed for something that could have been, like, settled nicely out of court, like the whole Lutheran rebellion, and then we get a whole Jacobin thing because some dude reads it wrong. I mean, some dude reading it wrong is basically all of all history. All of history. <laughs> some dude read the invitation the wrong way. Oh, I noticed I wasn't invited. No, the messenger just got shot on the way there, dude. Yeah, so I I have mixed feelings about it. Because also, I will say this, um, and again, like, without those supplementary texts, there is a lot about the Bible that, like, you kind of just can't understand. Now, I do like being able to have access to these. Like, I love being able to read the Book of Enoch, which you have now in your so hands. Uh, so it is nice to, like, have those things in front of you. But on its own, it is an unintelligible mess. Mm -hmm. it's a hot hot mess of names of people who don't make sense and when is time and then when you actually go through all the names because you know unless you have the backup text explaining why it's so important that you see all of these names and they're putting in there because it's like okay we need to show you that the lineage of jesus goes back to the beginning yeah and if you're just handed a, a list of names, you're not going to know that or right. care. 
Like, there's just so much context and supplementary information that you need. Now, I will say that man is faulty. Mm-hmm. I've had to correct many a priest, which apparently is not nice. Which is apparently not a nice thing that you're supposed to do during mass. Don't mix up Bost and Ball. They're two different gods. Yes. Like, two very different worship centers. Just two very different things. So yeah, I corrected a priest. Uh, he said they were worshipping Bost, which is not accurate. It was Ball. And that's, again, actually, it's a throwaway line in like one of the first five books of the Bible that goes back to a deeper story in one of the Apocrypha. Like, you don't have that connection unless you read those things. So I, yeah, I have mixed feelings on that. It's one of the reasons I have mixed feelings on organized religion. Yep. So the church is a a complicated thing? Very complicated. Hooray! Yay, just like John Mullins. Anyway. Yep. Um, so let's take that control of knowledge and, and roll it into the fact that Satan gets all the good speeches and God gets all the ones we can't understand. Yes. So God comes across as a bad guy quite often in Paradise Lost. And I don't think it's intentional. You don't? No. Okay. I think it's the fact that I personally feel that Milton was trying to explain certain things, but then couldn't quite get there. Like, he would say, oh, well, you know, God has all this foreknowledge, and, you know, he knows that they're going to make this decision, and he's saying, oh, well, they have to be have free will, because otherwise their worship means nothing. And a lot of it you're going, oh, my God, I mean, that guy sounds like a total dick. And then you're like... Well, there's also a lot of things that can't be expressed outright. And some of the really interesting things you'll read about biblical text, especially about things where they go into Enochian stuff and, you know, angelic wars, is the idea that we cannot be told outright because that's cheating. It's weird. That's such a cop-out. It is. Uh, And that's why, why a lot of writers believe that Jesus spoke in parables. Because you couldn't just come out, smack somebody upside the head, and say, "Stop doing that." I I think that's just, I think that's a very convenient scapegoat. I think that's a very like convenient because like so that's why I'm a bit of a deist is that I tend to think that like God is a great watchmaker. He made the earth. He set the thing in motion. And he walked the fuck away. So you're Ben Franklin. Yeah, kind of. Okay. Uh, but sans racism. Sounds racism. Yeah. Sounds racism. Uh, like I, that's honestly like when I was when when deism was explained to me, I'm like, I understand this violently, uh, because that whole idea of like, well, I can't just give you the answer is a fucking cheap shot to me. That's a cheap shot, and I hate it. <laughs> I've had many teachers like that. No, I have too. Uh, I absolutely so. Uh, small shout out, Mr. Riley, who was my religion teacher when I was in junior high. Uh, also was my Latin teacher, uh, did a lot of that, kind of inadvertently, because he was doing his best to teach fucking junior high kids religion, but, like, yeah, it's like, well, why is it this way? Because God. Okay, shit answer. And then background knowledge, uh, at that time, my father had, like, just passed away. Oh, So yeah. you can't use just God as a re- I was prime, like, Satan-sounded-hot age. 
I was 12 to 13 years old. My dad had just died. I was hopped up on religious indignation. I was like prime <laughs> ready to start listening to this shit. Like, that's the thing is that that to me is such a cheap shot. Now, I'm willing to accept it as narrative that God is just this exacerbated single dad who's just doing his best with his wagon full of unruly children. Sure, whatever. Have you ever heard Eddie Izzard's sketch where he refers to Jesus's stepmom as Galadriel? <laughs> no. Okay. Oh, God. But like, and evidently God is voiced as James Mason, but, but like, I don't know that, that just, that frustrates me. But I also, I, so here's where I disagree with you. I think that Milton is setting a precedence that is later, uh, done much better by Mary Shelley in Frankenstein with the modern Prometheus, because then using, um, Satan and satanic themes as the people who are really like right and reasonable and intelligent and smart uh, and who are oppressed by all this flim-flam and flowery language and parables and, ooh, spooky, you can't think too much about the tree. Listen, I think about trees a lot. Is that not what, I mean, like, honestly, if you read this, like, that's what it is. It's some fucking angry cloud who is really concerned about one fucking tree. I have a lot of questions. Clouds? <laughs> Whatever you materialize God as. <laughs> whatever you materialize god as i've always imagined him as like a cloud with like an angry beard and mustache whatever you think god is oh my gosh is it the glow cloud from nightmare kind of yeah that's tbh kind of yes but like i don't know i i get it i i i think that yeah like milton is not a strong enough writer yet to really do that. But I think he's planting those seeds of almost like divine incompetence. Divine. Because like, look at a platypus. What is this doing here? Platypus are the best. I didn't say, I didn't say they were bad. I'm asking why the fuck is it here? <laughs> why is a moose as giant as it is? Right. Like, what is this doing here? Why can't I write him? It's not fair. No, it's very fair. Please don't. <laughs> your, cauca your Caucasian is showing. Please don't touch it. Oh. <laughs> Listen, just because my husband has to keep me away from alligators, a.k.a. murder logs. I'm joking. We don't live in Florida. Um, but we do have them here. They're actually very common. Yes, especially in Houston. No, we get them here. No, I don't like this. Yeah, so floods will tend to bring them in. So, like, you know, those, like, ditches and, like, ravines. They love that shit. I don't want to see them <laughs> in my day job. <laughs> I just ruined water for Tori. Yep, um, no longer going at a creek. We also get snapping turtles a lot. Yeah, I knew about those okay. bastards. But, um, so yeah, like, kind of like setting up this thread of, like, divine incompetence almost. Of, like, maybe you should question this quote-unquote all-knowing power. Because there's a lot of shit here that just doesn't make sense. Why would you MacGuffin this tree? Which also kind of ties into the English Civil War. Oh, god damn it. Oh, we're, we're not going there yet. I'm okay. I'm like... <laughs> okay, Ma so. MacGuffin tree. I'm going to hell. <laughs> I am super excited because sitting through a class on uh, literature of this time period finally is coming into fruition. Um, the pathetic fallacy is like my favorite term in literature. Basically, it's when you think that nature around you 
is tying into your experiences and emotions. So there is a whole part in the Garden of Eden where they're hanging out and it's like, oh, look, the tree branches are so excited that they're having sexy time. Like, everyone seems so happy about their union. Pathetic fallacy. It's kind of like when you're reading a poem and somebody's super depressed and it's raining and they keep describing the rain as, like, really embracing their emotions. Pathetic fallacy. The rain doesn't give a fuck about you. Drop it in your AP English class. You will look like a champion. Okay, but also be able to explain it. Don't yes. just, like, don't just draw a Skinner box and say that you're going to be fine. That's how I passed my AP psych exam. I love this. I couldn't, I couldn't put to words what a Skinner box was, so I just drew a pigeon in a box. Did you write all by myself? I didn't. I just, like, my brain was so, I had multiple AP tests to take in that day. I think, like, the psych one was, like, the last one. And I had in my brain, I knew what a Skinner box was. If you don't know what a Skinner box is, uh, Google it. Uh, Skinner wanted to train pigeons to peck at uh, switchboards and drop bombs during the war. That was a real thing. Uh. But not drop bombs during a uh, rap battle. No, uh, rap didn't exist. There were no black people. <laughs> Do you think? But like, uh, so I couldn't like articulate what a Skinner box was because my brain was fried. Uh, so I just drew a pigeon in a box. And I still passed my AP exam. Uh, but yeah, like hell being not a terrible place. We talked about that a little bit, I think, during our B-roll section. But like, the way you think about hell now, like when you read it in literature, it doesn't sound bad. It sounds like a lot of old gods and like a lot of people who just like believed in evolution and in science. Like that doesn't sound awful to me. Now there are like some murderers and stuff there, but I mean like there's murderers outside. And the Inferno gets way more into this. Oh yeah. I'm, I don't want to say that I'm excited to reread the Inferno. Okay, I am though. Okay, That's I have, really I still have my uh, dual translation copy. Yes. I'll bring it in, don't worry. Is that the one with the two guys on the front of it that look really weird? I Okay, so I make references to Virgil being my guide all the time, so like. He was a pretty shit guide though. Yeah, I know, he wasn't great, which also explains why I keep getting the I'm like, that that's not a good thing. That's not a positive thing. Uh, but yeah, like hell as not being this bad of a place, because. I mean, like, it goes back to that line, you know, better to reign in hell than serve in heaven. Like, hell is a giant party, which, sure, okay. But it's also a place of, like, weirdly enough, enlightenment and intelligence, which is strange. Uh, but also makes a lot of sense because the church, uh, well, okay, the church up until a certain point was pretty anti-science. Technically, the Catholic Church, uh, under Vatican II... Uh, does allow for some discussion and humoring of evolution. There also is the Vatican Observatory, which has discovered new planets and star systems. Uh, so it's not all anti-science. Some people are very anti-science. Yes. All right. War. I'm going to poorly explain the English Civil War to you. I, I will include a video on our website of somebody doing a much better job. Um... What's really funny is when English people make fun of us for our Civil War, because there's, like, was technically part one and part two. So there. Yeah. Um, Charles I didn't really want a parliament. He wanted to be, like, the king of everything. So he had them disbanded. And then he realized that he needed money, and he needed them to approve the money. 
after he started fighting with Scottish people who are called the Covenanters. Um, so he brings them back for a brief period of time and then disbands them again. And Parliament's like, okay, you can't keep bringing us back and then saying that you don't want us and getting over it. So they just kept basically ruling England on their own. And Charles I was like, oh, hell no. No, 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 no. So he starts to send his army to go capture certain members of Parliament. Those people had already left because they knew better. So Charles just looked like a complete and total tyrant, which is a lot of what Milton is getting at in his descriptions of God and of Satan. It's, you can't necessarily trust the people who are in power. Um, Charles I ended up getting beheaded. Parliament took over. Oliver Cromwell was in charge. Oliver Cromwell was a dick. He uh, actually banned Christmas at one point in time. Anyway, Charles II, who was Charles I's son, was really pissed about it. Um, eventually, he came back into power and he forgave a bunch of people, except the people who killed his dad. Um, Which I'm pretty sure he had them super murdered. Yes. Okay. And at about all during all of this, John Milton is a pamphleteer and he's writing a bunch of stuff going, oh my gosh, we need a Republican government. This is bullshit. I'm so tired of this. And then all of a sudden the king is back in power again. Well, Charles II. And uh, he had to skedaddle real fast. The unfortunate thing is he'd slowly been going blind. And by this point, he was pretty much entirely blind. So we had to have some friends smuggle him out under cover of darkness and take him to the English countryside. That sounds lovely. So he's pissed. He's been writing this play for or a play poem forever. <laughs> this I sounds... mean, it can turn into a play. Where? Where? Sabrina the Teenage Witch season two. Anyway, <laughs> God, fucking damn. I don't like Sabrina. I can tell. I it's so ah screams. It's one of those times where I want to be Miranda Otto, but I know I'm not. It's just not a well done show. Oh no, it's it's terrible. Okay. But I love it. Um, we all have our trash heaps. Yes, we do we do? All right. Oh God. So some notes on the text. Uh, yield English. Honestly, it's not the English's fault. It's how we translate it. Uh, if you were existing during this time, uh, this wouldn't be weird to you. It's weird to us because we have shorthand and other things. Realistically, if John Milton had to read one of our texts, he would be very, very confused about what we have to say. Now, can you imagine John Milton getting on Facebook and seeing the word yeet? I also, I want this. I also think he'd mostly be very concerned about all the brown people with freedom. Yeah, he'd be like, "Why are these women wearing pants?" Yeah, there would be a lot of um. One of my first essays in college was a discussion about if a uh, like early English uh, sermonist like came to our modern times and a lot of it was just like fish out of water but most like why is the small brown wearing pants and just speaking freely and my uh, professor praised me for like taking that seriously because i hate those like fish out of water stories that don't address that there would be one huge culture shock and time shock but also two that that's not positive for you but like if captain america truly was thawed from the ice he wouldn't immediately go be everyone's friend right he has a lot of prejudices from a different time that you'd have to work through, which was not well explored in a uh, Ultimate Avengers, when he was so jingoistic that he had to hang out in an old folk home. What was in really entertaining is basically like them trying to show that he's behind the times was a flip phone, and I'm like, 
trying harder. But um, the the yield English does do a good job of um allowing for combinations of words, and um, splitting words so that you can have a better rhyme scheme and a better flow. It just feels like backwards nonsense to me. And again, like I'm already a person who has a pretty low threshold to Britlet. Like, please don't make me read Chaucer. I'm not actually going to make you read I wish you would. I wish you would. No, I'm going to make you read Marjorie Kemp. (sighs) Just kidding. Fine, we're reading more Hawthorne. Damn it. Uh, But there is a reason for it. It just makes me personally angry and will be a hurdle that most young readers will have to jump over. Um, It is written in blank verse. It's intended to be like the Odyssey, kind of like we were talking about before. His second edition gives an entire description of why he used blank verse and not rhyming like his contemporaries. And he calls out his contemporaries for talking trash on him not using rhyme. It's a whole thing. It's basically like the ultimate shout out. It was kind of great. As discussed, this is the first cultural description of Satan being sexy Satan with daddy issues. Yep. Hot Satan. Um... We already talked about how there's a lot of obscure Bible knowledge. Yep. The biblically annotated edition done by Matthew Stullard is the one I went through. And um, there's actually more notes than there is actual text for Milton. So, And if you do have a copy of the Apocrypha, which I think is readily available. You know, if you just have one of those just hanging around, like I do apparently. Kindle, man. Yeah, like, definitely read uh, the ancient books of the Bible that aren't added in. Um, your Gospel of Enoch's, your Proto-Evangelions of James's. Uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls also has some stuff. We don't have time to talk about Gnosticism. But if you can find a copy of the Gnostic texts, read those, because then you also kind of get a depiction of Satan as, like, a chill dude who mostly just wants people to know how to read and God being a stuck-up fuddy-duddy. Listen. I totally relate to a zero fail. Okay. (laughs) A stuck up fuddy duddy who won't let us have fun. Yes. Anyway, there are a ton of references to the Greeks and Romans. Uh, Britain was a complete total mess when this was published. There are 12 books and it's one hell of an epic poem. It took forever to actually get it published because there was a huge fire that devastated the printing operations of London. How convenient. Um, Milton published his first first version in 1658, and then he did a second edition with some revisions in 1674. And just something to keep in mind, he was completely blind by 1660. And it was over time that he went blind. Supposedly, there are historical references to him meeting Galileo, which my brain didn't put together that they were alive at the same time. Um, scholars believe that's why so many of the descriptions of heaven sound very scientific. I can live with that. And then there is the sequel. So if you are like me and have read Paradise Regained, it is a much worse version of Paradise Lost. Uh, it's masturbatory fan fiction done by the author. I think my favorite part is the only reason we have Paradise Regained is because he showed Paradise Lost to one of his friends when he was in the countryside and his friend looked at it and went, okay, cool. Well, where's Paradise Regained? Yeah. So it's like giving your best friend, hey, I wrote this super 
strong thing. I feel like this is the best thing I've ever done. And your friend's like, hmm, you should put some more boobs in it. Yeah, like it 100% feels like that. It's just, it's, we would call it now a shameless cash grab. But back in that time period that didn't exist, uh, I think it's still free on Kindle. If you have a weekend that you hate yourself, by all means. Or go on YouTube and make somebody else read it to you. What 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 is the occasion outside of school to read this, or us where we're uh, cursed by a podcast? Um, when you're trying to be an edge lord. I mean, accurate. Or you're exploring the Church of Satan. Accurate. Or you're a really angsty teenager. Well, Levey didn't. Was he fine with Paradise Lost? I don't know. I know that a lot of descriptions I read. There were notes in the text, or like, you know, like on YouTube when you were watching yeah. the videos, somebody was like, oh, I was exploring this when I was exploring Satanism. Oh, so. LeVay was. I'm, yeah. I'm an idiot. Of course, LeVay was. So, some details about John Milton. Woo! I'm not going to go into too many because I don't want to. Um, he was a Sagittarius. Why the fuck is that a detail? <laughs> because I'm a Sagittarius. No, anyway, ma'am! He was born December 9th, 1608. He died... November 8th, 1674, at the age of 65. He was born on Bread Street, which I love the name, um, which is basically at the heart of urban London at the time. He went to school. He hated it. He dropped out and moved back in with his parents. At 20, he was still living with his parents and jobless. Like most people with uh, liberal arts degrees. So some of Milton's frustrations with the church came from the fact that his mother's grave was put in the wrong way in the church, and a bunch of people got pissed off about it. And they're like, well, we should turn this around. And he's like, no, just because y'all want uniformity doesn't mean that that exists. So they left it the wrong way around. That's just petty. Oh, yeah. Milton wrote mostly for himself because he thought he was the smartest person. Um, he loved to study. He knew multiple languages. He read like he was writing his thesis. And he wrote po poetry for a private sharing. He would send it to some of his friends. Um, he was a pamphleteer and publicist because he didn't like how things were going. So he was very big on challenging beliefs and was huge on freedom of speech. He would be that dick on the internet right now. I, was say, I feel like he'd be like a, an Alex Jones or a Joe Rogan at this point. Um, he believed that if we banned important speech, we might accidentally ban ideas that would be vitally important someday. <sighs> Cromwell and King Charles <clears throat> were totally at odds with each other. And at some point in time, Milton got promoted to the Commonwealth of England's public office. When Charles II came back in, he lost his job and ended up being a poor poet. Uh, he had a really, really hard time with his wife, one of his wives, who basically they got married and then pretty much just as quickly she stopped living with him. And Milton started writing a lot of texts on why divorce wasn't wrong. Convenient. Um, Milton could write in English, Latin, Greek, and Italian. Super overachiever. I mean, you kind of have to. At least, like, the Latin and Greek. Yeah. And then, as we'd already talked about, he was really big on people reading the Bible for themselves. Yeah. My favorite thing that I learned about this is that there are multiple words that he created for Paradise Lost. Much like Shakespeare did create words, Milton did as well. Mm -hmm. So, the words pandemonium, before that, that wasn't a word. Um, basically, it just means complete chaos. It's all the demons. Pandemonium. Anyway. Unoriginal was the word that was created for Paradise Lost, which is awesome. I use that. And terrific. 
which right now means great or awesome, but back at that time he used it to be more like terrifying. Yeah, uh, John Green did a really, really cool uh, little aside in one of his Crash Course Literature episodes where he talked about how we use words like awesome and terrific where like that wasn't a positive. Oh, Like we throw awesome around a lot, but like that's meant to be like a face melting experience. Yeah, you are overcome by awe. Yeah, like that's not just like a chill thing, like. You know, you have a good sandwich or something. I say awesome all the time because I was raised in California, but I, I mean, also call pe- everything dude, which is a problem and I'm trying to get better. I think that there's like a, a gender neutral dude. Like there's like a gender neutral guys, I think. Foolish mortals, gender neutral. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So did you have to read this in school? I uh, did not formally, but I was an edgelord. So, of course, I did. Hashtag Satan was robbed. Um, we read part of this in college in my pastoral English literature course. <laughs> huh. uh, I thought Why? We read a lot of stuff. I also no, read... No, why, why did you take... Did you just I not... I was an English major, and the teacher was really cool, and then I loved her because she spent most of the class talking about how love was a lie. Oh, okay. Um, which was really awkward because then the guy... Or the girl... That her husband left her for was teaching pre-Raphaelite English, which is a course I took the next semester without knowing. Good lord. UCI, man. This is drama. Christ on a cracker. Anyway, I didn't realize that we didn't read the whole thing because I thought we did. No, no, no. We, we read a book mm-hmm. of Paradise Lost. And then all of a sudden it was reading for this episode. I'm like, oh, it shouldn't take that long. And then I like pull up the audiobook and it's like 10 hours what did I miss? <laughs> um, and in all honesty, the more I read, the more I'm like, I don't know why a higher power hasn't wiped us off the face of the damn planet yet. But That's why deism is so nice. Because he's like, oh, you just do you. Yeah, like you just, you set the thing in motion and you walk away. Because like that's, that's one of the hardest parts to stomach about like any kind of super serious religious dogma is like how do you have a higher being that lets all this stuff happen? Why do bad things happen to good people? Just just to people. Not even to good people. Just to, to human creatures. They're just... Uh, when we're recording this, we've had a hell of a week in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, pun not intended, as in just literally hell of a week. Uh, works like this remind me why I have a conflicted relationship with religion and with God and with theology. Uh, but it's good to confront those things every once in a while. So... There were a lot of resources for this. Too many. Um, a lot of them are videos that I put online to keep your life easy. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the really, the sources I used, I use audiobooks all the time, which is usually just the straight text. Um, always go for the unabridged, because if you do the abridged, it's a whole thing. Um, you want the whole version, not just like specific parts, unless you're re-watching certain movies you never want to see again. I won't go into that. Okay. What, what is it? I love the movie The Shining, the original. Mm-hmm. My husband cannot stand it, except for certain scenes. So we joke that when we want to re-watch it, he's just going to pull up the clips on YouTube that he wants to see. So I watch it by myself. Um, Paradise Lost, as I already brought up, the a biblically annotated edition by Matthew Stollard is really good. Um, there are The bibliography in the back is ridiculous, but there's a lot. Uh, we used Wikipedia because, yes, you try to break it down in a way that everybody understands. Yeah. 
BBC has this really great and brief documentary called Milton's Heaven and Hell. Mm -hmm. And it's a comedian that's walking around trying to ask people if they know who the hell John Milton is, which was hysterical because this one lady from Australia was the only one on the Millennium Bridge who knew who it was. Good job, Australia. Yeah. And then they went into a classroom of like, um, what is it? Junior high kids. And they were describing it. And I'm like, okay, I'm mad that these kids get this better than me. Um, there's a really great YouTube series called Classic Summarized. She went into some hysterical detail about Satan's daddy issues. Mm-hmm. Um, Huffington Post is where we got the information on the new words created by Milton. And I will link to that in the show notes. Um, God, so many. There's stuff on the English Civil War. It just... Just go to unfortunatelyrequiredreading.com, pull up episode 17, and it'll have a whole list and a bunch of videos so you don't have to go hunting. Yeah, um, this book was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot. It, it hurt a little bit. Our next book is going to be even better worse. So what I thought was interesting, our next book is The Inferno by Dante Alighieri. Oh, good pronunciation is really really good i took a class on it in college so i better know mm-hmm. thank you professor chompy um what he was amazing he was like no, the what best, is... best professor i had that name professor chompy that sounds c-h-a-m-p-i i believe it sounds like a diminutive loch ness monster he was amazing he's that like sounds my like... favorite anyway, that sounds great um there's a lot involved in that and i believe it no i believe it was written in the 13 or 1400s it was before paradise lost it was uh there is a bit of a chicken or egg thing with this a little that even though uh, dante's inferno did come out way before and influenced demonology way before uh paradise lost does tend to get some of the credit sometimes mm-hmm. uh so we'll get to talk way more about demonology uh which i'm too excited about amanda's entire face just lit up like it was christmas i like demonology i have so some much. concerns uh I will have a lot of resources for that as well. It's okay. so fascinating. Question. Yes. Do I need holy water or anything before? I that? have holy water. Okay. It's in the fridge in a Dr. Pepper bottle. That is the most Texas thing ever. <laughs> most Catholic Texas thing ever. Because I was like, I do have a last rites crucifix in this room. Yes, you do. Uh, I have a, oh my God, I can't remember the saying now. Because I'm not Catholic, I'm sorry. It's okay, I'm not mad at you. But I have like a bracelet that's supposed to help protect. Anyway. Yeah, uh, so we're going to talk a lot about demons. We're going to talk about um, Italian politics, bad popes. Bad popes. Like, if you thought this one was history heavy, you cannot separate uh, history and corruption and the pope from no, Dante. You cannot. It is. There are political figures that will just pop up, and you're like, I don't know who that is. And then you read the side notes. It's like, like so, oh. so did the following 18 bad things. Also, we get to talk about righteous pagans. We do. And unbaptized babies. Yeah. Uh, we actually might need a trigger warning for that one. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of uh, not pleasant stuff in there. So much. Will that be our first? No, because when we did Toni Morrison month, we talked about oh, yeah. abuse. Okay. By the way, God rest her soul. She was a badass. Yeah, we lost Toni Morrison. Very much missed. But um, I, I, she was too good for this world at this she point. Was- what did you say in your text to me that you feel that now she is up with the angels judging us and telling us to do better? Yeah, absolutely. Like that's where, that's where she is. She's just up in heaven now demanding that we do better. And at this stage, I think we owe it to her to do so. Amen. Um, if you'd like to honor the legacy of Toni Morrison, 
watch literally any of her interviews and see how tired she is, but, like, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Read her books, develop empathy for people that don't look or think like you. And also acknowledge that slavery was bad and we continue to struggle with its complicated and horrible legacy. Amen to that. Um, I'm excited to read Dante's Inferno. Uh, we're only reading the Inferno because we don't have time to read the entire Divine Comedy. I think it's funny that it's the Divine Comedy. Anyway, um... We'll save that for next time. Yep. If you want to follow us on social media, which we definitely recommend at least the Instagram, but we do put some really funny stuff up on Facebook. Uh-huh. It's unfortunately required reading on Facebook, unfortunately RR on Twitter, unfortunately required on Instagram, and the website is unfortunately required reading.com. That's where we kind of put everything, so it makes it a little easier. Yes. Um, if you'd like to suggest a book for the podcast, have a funny story about one of your classes, or, you know just want to talk to us about literature mm-hmm. you can email us at unfortunately required reading at gmail.com or if you'd like for Tori to take a knife skills class which I've considered us doing as like a fun bonding thing <laughs> you can take a knife skills class at the culinary institute Wait, are you trying to teach me this so I can dismember a body for you or is it just so that the cheese looks good for Instagram not for me with me I don't need your assistance this isn't that Criminal Minds episode with the weird puppets. Is this going back to the <laughs> Poe episode? Yes. God. Are you just trying to teach me so they don't have saw fatigue? Pretty much. I'm trying to help you. I'm scared, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> no. Send help. Not really. She's in the best hands possible. <laughs> now, for the love of God, please go read a book. <laughs>